Hey, hey, welcome back to Kimmel and Cox, your source for all things entertainment. I'm Keith Cox. I'm joined, as always, by my good friend, Dylan Kimmel. If you've missed any of our previous episodes, be sure to go back and check those out. Uh, nowadays, everybody likes to binge watch their shows, so why not binge watch a few episodes of Kimmel and Cox? I'm just saying, you know? Yeah, I mean, we have a playlist all set up and ready, so... Yes, yeah. we, uh, we have uh, set up a playlist there. We've decided to do the show in a seasonal format as opposed to uh, going year-round. So uh, we'll be running episodes every Thursday probably until the, like the last week in May. And then we'll take the summer off and we'll be back with season two somewhere around the first week in September. So I think that, that format is going to work really well. Uh, for everybody and plus it just gives us a chance to take a little break and and kind of recharge a little bit so Uh, but today today is a special episode this is our first ever celebrity profile and it's a good one Uh, the subject of today's episode is someone who has uh, tremendously influenced uh, both of us in uh, in our careers and just in the way that we look at movies in general uh, we are talking about the one, the only, the legendary Dan Aykroyd. Uh, so I, I'm really excited about that. I've really been looking forward uh, to this episode. You gave me goosebumps. Yeah, yeah. It, it, uh, I, I think it's uh, going to be great. So let's, let's just jump right into it. Uh, so uh, Daniel Edward Aykroyd, born... July 1st, 1952, in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. Yes, Dan Aykroyd is Canadian. It seems like every person that I really enjoy is Canadian. Like, Yeah, there are so many uh, performers and filmmakers out there that I can think of uh, and people that we enjoy that, uh, that are Canadian, uh, many of which uh, whom I'm sure will have an entire uh, podcast episode devoted to them as well hmm. uh, but uh, but so uh, Dan Aykroyd grew up uh, in Canada uh, a man of many talents uh, actor writer producer director and singer so he's kind of a jack of all trades um, he uh, he had kind of an interesting background uh, growing up uh, his father was uh, a civil engineer uh, and I believe was uh, an advisor to the Prime Minister of Canada uh, at hmm. one point. Wow! Uh, so a little bit of uh, a little bit of pedigree there, a little <laughs> bit of uh, of uh, di- you know distinguished uh, background. His, and mm-hmm. his mother was a secretary. Uh, oddly enough, uh, growing up, he uh, he after graduating high school. He studied criminology and sociology uh, in college at uh, Carleton University, uh, but obviously didn't pursue that, uh, actually didn't even end up uh, graduating from college. Oh, yeah. Uh, but I thought, I thought that was interesting, that, yeah. uh, that, was, that was kind of his, you know, initially his, his chosen, I guess, maybe a career path that he was considering or something. Right. Um, but um, he also, his, uh, his family uh, was very heavy into spiritualism, uh, the study of, of ghosts. 
which uh, will come into play very significantly uh, a little bit later uh, in his career after he becomes an actor. We'll tell you more about that uh, in a little bit. But, uh, but yeah, it was, there was a big family history there. His, uh, his, his great-grandfather, his grandfather, his father, uh, all uh, were you know, heavy into you know, studying uh, spiritualism. And actually, his, his uh, father wrote a book uh, called uh, The History of Ghosts. And I believe his grandfather wrote a book as well. I, be- uh, I believe so. Yeah, yeah. Or, or he was, or he was recognized in. Um, I think it's called like the American Journal of Psychical Research or something, something like that. Yeah. Uh, some some sort of big words. But yeah, yeah, his family was published in that yeah. in that uh, area. So, uh, but again, you know, just some really cool uh, little. Uh, factoids about uh, about you know his background yeah. uh, he was also uh, he was uh, he was born uh, with a couple of uh, unique conditions uh, one of which is called heterochromia which means that he has one green eye and one blue eye uh, <laughs> which uh, which I'm assuming that whenever he does a movie or makes a television appearance that he's wearing contacts. Uh, but the odd thing about that is that when you see him on screen, it looks like his eyes are brown. So it's interesting that he would choose brown contacts as opposed to either blue or green. I don't know. Maybe yeah. maybe the darker contacts are, it makes it easier to, to cover up his natural uh, pigmentation in his eyes. Possibly. Possibly. Um, and he also has uh, webbed feet, if you can believe that. Uh, it's called, I think the medical term for it is called syndactylism. So some of his toes are actually like fused together, uh, which, is, uh, which is really, you know, it's like, I mean, this doesn't have anything to do at all with his career, but I just think these are like interesting, interesting facts. I think it's cool to know these kinds of things about, uh, about celebrities and, yeah, uh, because that's that's not always something that would makes, necessarily be shared. It, it kind of makes you not kind of, but it makes you realize that they're human. Yeah, you know, that that's all that it is. There is to it. They're just human. You yeah. know, they're, yeah, just, there's going to like, be just like anybody else. You know, yeah. uh, there's going to be a few blemishes here and there, and so. perhaps something that is a little more common, and that you know other people out there would be able to relate to a little bit more. Uh, is that he was diagnosed uh, with uh, Tourette's syndrome uh, early on, mm. uh, but uh, with with treatment, actually most of the symptoms uh, went away by the time he was like 14. Fascinating. Uh, so they were able to successfully treat that. Um, and he has also said in interviews that uh, he's kind of self-diagnosed with... Um, with Asperger's, which is a form of autism. Mm. Uh, he was never officially diagnosed with that, but he said that he kind of diagnosed himself based on what he knows about Asperger's and uh, certain traits and characteristics in his own personality that he believes that he has that. And uh, many people who have that 
they're, I mean, they're highly intelligent, almost genius level, uh, which certainly is an accurate description, I think, of, of, of Dan Aykroyd. He, mm-hmm. he, uh, he just in his writing and the, the kinds of characters that he creates and his ability to spew out these, uh, these <laughs> un- mean- ungodly bits of dialogue, most of which contain yeah. a lot of technical jargon. Uh, yeah, like that's, um, um, English, uh, that's English to him. So, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's uh, yeah. it's kind of become a signature for him, mm-hmm. really. Like, I think there's probably a scene, at least one scene, in almost every movie of his where his character has a long string of dialogue like yeah. that, and, mm-hmm. and he spews it out very quickly. Which makes it that much funny, and it, it is a very interesting thing. I mean, I was, I was, I went ahead and rewatched a few movies because there's a few of them I haven't seen in a long while, mm-hmm. um, and I rewatched a few of them. Even like pretty much every single bit of dialogue that he will uh, blurt out, the it's like full on intelligence through the roof type of dialogue. Um, and it doesn't even have to be a, you know, a huge scientist character, you know. It, no, it just he somehow finds a way to work that in to to every character, which tells me that he's, you know, he, he is putting himself, mm-hmm. some of himself, into those characters because that's that's totally him. Yeah, um, I, I would say a particular role that we'll get into later is is probably him, the closest to him. Um, um, actually, more, probably more so a different character in the same movie, honestly. But yeah, <laughs> well, yeah. Let, let's uh, get into talking a little bit about how he got started in his uh, acting career, because actually, before he became an actor, uh, believe it or not, uh, he was a postal worker. He actually worked for the uh, Canadian Postal Service. Oh, wow. Uh, as a mail sorter, and I believe he also uh, drove a truck, drove a mail truck. Uh, so that was interesting. And then uh, he, he, was, he was always heavily influenced by music, particularly the blues. Uh, and early on, he actually, uh, he actually managed a, uh, an after-hours speakeasy uh, in Toronto uh, called Club 505. Okay. And he d- actually did that uh, for several years. And then eventually, you know, he transitioned into uh, into performing and he became a member of the famous uh, Second City comedy group. Yes. Uh, and he was actually a part of both the Toronto and Chicago. Oh, really? Groups. Yeah. Both of them? So he bounced back and forth. Because he does actually have a dual citizenship in Canada and the United States, uh, so he was able to. That's how he was able to go, you know, back and forth so easily. Uh, and he actually met, uh, you know, while he was uh, running that uh, that club and and when he was uh, part of the Second City Group, he actually met uh, John Belushi in a nightclub in Chicago. And that would end up forming uh, a, uh, a years-long friendship uh, with him uh, that, would, that, would end up, um, that would end up turning out 
some some really good movies as mm-hmm. as well as we will see uh, how that how that friendship uh, really just took you know both of their careers uh, to to a different level. Yeah. Uh, so so they they met and uh, actually he he shared some of his music uh, with John uh, because John was really into like rock and heavy metal uh, at the that, time. That, that fits. That fits. Yeah, <laughs> definitely fits with his uh, just wild, uh, you know, unpredictable personality. Yeah. Uh, but he, he, but Dan uh, shared some some blues records with him. He had never he had never really listened to blues. He had never heard a blues record, and he immediately uh, fell in love with it himself. And and this would this would later uh, play a big part in in. And two two of the most famous characters that uh, Dan Aykroyd ever came up with. Um, so a couple of years after Second City, uh, and we're just going to get into some career highlights here. Uh, we're not going to do a really deep dive uh, because you all are resourceful people. So you know you can go on IMDb, uh, aka the Internet Movie Database, and you can find a more comprehensive list of Dan Aykroyd's credits there uh, mm-hmm. but we're just going to hit uh, some of the highlights the the uh, the shows and movies and everything that he was involved with that we feel like uh, are really you know you watch these you know you when you think of Dan Aykroyd you think of these, of movies. these movies yeah. are, are we going to go from uh, the um, probably the lesser known top I mean do you, you know what I'm trying to say like the yeah, I mean, it, it, there definitely there's a okay. few in there that may be lesser known or less popular that are that less are worth popular. mentioning yeah. too. Yeah, I'd say uh, less popular. But but the big thing that you know, you even though he had he had done a few things before this, you know, we you, we really kind of have to start when you when you think of his career, you really have to start with his time on Saturday Night Live. Mm-hmm. So he was part of the very first group of cast members ever on Saturday Night Live, 1975. And so he was part of the original, what they called, they nicknamed the not ready for primetime players. Uh, <laughs> because uh, the format, as many of you know, with Saturday Night Live being a late night show, they didn't have the restrictions that other shows that aired earlier in the day you know would have and so they had a lot more freedom to kind of do some you know risque things mm-hmm. and uh and they were revolutionary for the time and the types of content and the like the political humor and stuff they didn't hold anything back and for those days it was it was really almost taboo now it's mm-hmm. just commonplace but the things yeah. they were doing back then uh it was it was huge and People were literally having parties at their house every Saturday night to watch Saturday Night Live. So, originally, he was actually hired as a writer for Saturday Night Live, but he was he was bumped up to a cast member before the series started. Hmm. Uh, and and obviously, you know, the producers saw a lot of potential in him. Uh, because of his unique sense of humor, his his writing ability, and just his comedy is unlike anything else out there. And and even today, 
uh, I think he stands up as as one of the best uh, cast members ever to be on the show because the the characters he came up with, he's just he really can't be imitated. No, he just he has put such a such a different kind of spin on everything. That that era of Saturday Night Live is probably when when I think of Saturday Night Live, it's it's that era, and then only like a little bit of like the '90s era, with where you know the, you got David uh, Spade and Adam Sandler and all them. Right. But it was it's mainly those that era, his era, Dan Aykroyd's era that I'm thinking of the most. Yeah, yeah, it's I agree. I, I think really after the 90s maybe late 90s to early 2000s i i feel like it's kind of gone downhill i i haven't watched snl regularly in in a very long time i don't i honestly don't even know who the cast is now that that's how long it's been for me i I probably don't know either it probably changed since last time i but um but so so that was a that was the big break in his career you know you know being starring on that show and uh, he just came up with so many uh, memorable characters. Uh, you had uh, like Erwin Mainway, uh, who was like a sleazy. Uh, he was like a, a sleazy. Uh, manuf- he manufactured like uh, children's toys, but they were but they were all <laughs> they were always like really really dangerous uh, <laughs> children's toys, like uh, like a bag of glass or. Something like, and he was always going on these talk shows and trying to promote promote this stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, e Buzz Miller, who was like a, a, a late night uh, talk show host, uh, Beldar Conehead. Uh, oh yeah, uh, and uh, <laughs> at, of course uh, Elwood Blues, uh, which which Jake and Elwood Blues, the Blues Brothers, they did not, they were not. Created on Saturday Night Live, I, they, they had actually, uh, and, and we'll kind of get get into this more if we ever, you know, we'll we'll do an episode about the Blues Brothers, but uh, but actually, they had he and John Belushi had been performing in character as mm-hmm. Jake and Elwood uh, in in various clubs around okay. New York and, and other places. Yeah, uh, but their first public appearance or you know at least uh you know television appearance was on saturday night live so that's where everybody uh first saw them and so they they thought that that those characters were created through uh, right snl um and gosh there's just so many others uh that that i can think of uh, oh we, we can't forget about uh fred garvin male prostitute i mean where it's like you know, it's just it's like where would somebody come up with with things like that? You know, I mean, only only the mind of Dan Aykroyd. Yes, uh, yeah. <laughs> but uh, but yeah, certainly uh, a lot of great uh, great people came out of that group of uh, that group of cast members, um, and and it really helped to launch his a very long uh, movie career. Uh, the probably the first movie that I would say that's you know even worth mentioning or talking about uh, was in 1979. Uh, it was a movie called 1941. Oh yes, yeah. yes. Which uh, it's a, it's a uh, World War II comedy. 
directed by Steven Spielberg, actually, uh, in one of the few straight comedies that he has ever done. I'm, and I can't recall him doing too many comedies like that uh, ever again. No. Uh, it, it, it didn't really go too well at the box office, though, did no, it? No, it was not really well-received. Uh, you know, it, it's, it's worth watching. Uh, it is funny. It, do, it does have uh, some great moments. Um, it's the first movie that Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi uh, worked on together, although it, they didn't... Uh, their characters didn't interact with each other. They only had one scene together in the whole movie, uh, and it was and it was a funny moment because it, the the two of them just kind of like stopped and like you know kind of looked each other up and down for a second, like they had this flash of recognition, almost like they knew each other. Wait a minute, which was a little bit of a nod to the fact that they already had a, a well established real life friendship. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I thought, you know, that was that was really good, uh, but uh, it, it's 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 watchable. It, you know, I wouldn't put it on the list of you know of his greatest movies, but it was his first really big feature film mm-hmm. uh, after you know being on uh, SNL, uh, and then that would the uh, his second uh, collaboration with John Belushi uh, will perhaps always be his best which is of course the Blues Brothers yes uh, when yeah, they decided yeah. to make uh, a movie uh, a, you know and to, to kind of uh, delve into these characters a little bit more because people had only seen them on SNL and mm-hmm. uh, and they this was the weird thing they, it took off so well on SNL that uh, they they became a legitimate uh, singing group they, they, they did. already had an album out by that point, which was their best-selling album, Briefcase Full of Blues. It was their first album. It was released in 1978 at the height of their popularity on SNL. And they, uh, they, were, they were touring, and uh, they were opening for acts like Steve Martin. And, and uh, so everybody was already familiar with the Blues Brothers before the movie. Some people out there think that that the whole Blues Brothers thing started with the movie, but that's oh, not no. the case. They yeah. were already established characters by then. But Dan Aykroyd wanted to explore those characters a little bit further, and where did they come from? You know, how did they how did they come to be? And uh, it's certainly, um, you know, out of the three movies that he and John Belushi worked on together, it is by far the best, and is also sure. one of Dan Aykroyd's best movies ever. Mm. It's... Yeah. That that is also one of the very few musical movies that I will watch. Yeah, <laughs> um, musicals can sometimes be a little bit, a uh, uh, little bit taxing on on. The, you know, it's, it's it's a little overkill. Sometimes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, but uh, but yeah, very very entertaining uh, movie, and and uh, I would you know highly recommend it uh, to anybody. Uh, Dan Aykroyd has the he has the rare distinction of starring in uh, two movies that are in my like top ten uh, greatest movies of all time for me. The, the interesting thing about uh, Dan Aykroyd that I've I've really looked I've I've started to notice a little bit. I mean, uh, very few times has he actually been like just the one lead. He's actually been co-lead, right? And. Uh, and it seems to those movies seem to do better for some reason. 
mm-hmm. as opposed to when he gets top billing in the movie. I agree. It's when he when he co-stars with someone, uh, you know, or or if he's part of an ensemble cast, those movies tend to be a lot more successful. Yeah. Uh, and while he can certainly carry a movie because he has oh, yeah. the you know he has the personality and everything for that and the charisma, uh, he's he's definitely he definitely has a collaborative nature about him. And I think that's what works so well is like he's not he's not afraid to let somebody else have the bigger laugh. Yeah, uh, he's not greedy for it. No, and and it sometimes makes him even funnier uh, by comparison. Uh, you know, f- for doing that, it's like you know he they you know he makes other people look good, and and then they also you know make him look good. Uh, and then. Uh, the third and final uh, movie that he did with uh, John Belushi is, to me, is by far the worst. Uh, I mean, I've only seen it once. That was enough <laughs> for me. Um, but it was a movie called Neighbors in 1981. Um, and interestingly enough, uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, Vic, uh, in that, he uh, he has blonde hair and blue eyes. This, to my knowledge, it's the only movie that Dan Aykroyd has ever done where he has different colored eyes, where he has uh, blue eyes. And that kind of goes back to that little piece of trivia that uh, we told you about with his uh, condition uh, about having two different colored eyes. So so we I'd have to assume that one of those blue eyes is actually his and that they just put you know, contacts in to match, you know, the other one. Uh, but anyway, uh, it, it's not, the movie's really not even worth, like, getting into or, or, or talking about it. It's just not great. But if you are a fan of the Belushi and Aykroyd team, then certainly, you know, worth checking out because that was the last movie they did together uh, because, unfortunately, uh, John Belushi passed away the very next year in 1982 uh, from a drug overdose. Drug overdose sorry. Um, yeah, it's it's kind of, it's not kind of, but it really is kind of, uh, quite unfortunate that we didn't get more collaboration with those two. Because I feel like, um, well, it, it's almost it's almost weird in a way that um, okay, so Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi, um, I had to I had to wait a moment there to make sure I got the right Belushi out of my mouth because <laughs> of course oh yeah because uh <laughs> because james uh yeah. belushi is also has been an actor for a very long time yeah. and still is still active so. yeah i had to make sure that i got the right belushi out because i was like wait did, did i say the right one i did okay <laughs> <laughs> um um but um and the funniest thing is i completely forgot what i was saying <laughs> didn't know, didn't know where you were going with that. I completely <laughs> forgot. Oh my goodness. Oh, that's okay. Yeah. Oh, no, oh, okay. Yeah. I got it. I got it back. <laughs> um, it's an int- it's an interesting kind of thing. Like a like a, 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 a um, I, I don't know how to word it. Where um, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were this. Uh, basically a, like a power couple type of deal with their yeah, movies. They were just a, a 
a perfect mm-hmm. comedy team. And then and then and then John Belushi passed away due to that drug overdose. Um, and then decades later, similar uh, Saturday Night Live uh, best friends David Spade and and uh, um, Chris Farley. Chris Farley. Chris Farley ends up passing away too in, in a similar fashion. There, yeah. There, I did. I noticed some. You know, some, some parallels that's, there too. That's honestly kind of eerie in a way. It's freak? Yeah. yeah. But well, and uh, because Chris Farley idolized John Belushi, he did. He did. And he didn't actually. He? The crazy thing was that he passed away at the same age. Oh wow! As, as John Belushi, just really, really uh, spooky uh, parallels there between their lives. But, eerie and sad yeah. at the same time. Yeah. Um. But um, but regardless, um, we still end up getting some great things from Dan Aykroyd afterwards. Um, taking, oh, yeah. uh, I'd say, he took a lot of that pain that he had from losing that friendship, and he did what he did best. Yeah, it, it um, as much as that crushed him and you know rocked his world, it, you know he it, it certainly didn't. Uh, you know, didn't take him down, didn't didn't hurt his career because I would argue that his career just continued to skyrocket. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, even after that, um, actually, uh, 1983 was uh, was a pretty big year uh, for Dan Aykroyd in movies, uh, beginning with uh, Doctor Detroit. Uh, don't know if you've seen that. I have uh, not actually. You should, no, you should definitely check it out. It's not a movie that is usually mentioned uh, as one of his uh, greatest, uh, but but I think it's good. I think it, it it's uh, it's definitely showcases his ability to come up with these off the wall zany characters. He plays uh, Professor Clifford Scridlow, uh, <laughs> who is uh, this really nerdy guy. Uh, he's a little. Uh, he's, he's got all of these uh, these quirky personality traits, uh, and uh, just your typical just your typical nerd, really. Uh, somebody that most people probably wouldn't pay attention to, or whatever. And he inadvertently gets caught up in this uh, with like uh, with uh, like uh, pimps and, and <laughs> hookers, and and uh, and he ends up taking on this he. Basically, uh, these the, the girls, you know, these these hookers, they they've gotten themselves into uh, you know a big mess, you know, mm. uh, and so he he agrees to help them out, and he takes on this personality of he he creates this uh, alter ego uh, called Doctor Detroit, who is the opposite of Clifford. You know, mm. he's uh, he's kind of a you know, a badass in his own way and, and, uh, he's confident and, yeah. and, uh, and, but it's, a, you really should, should check it out. It, it is worth, uh, watching and, uh, a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of great characters in there. Uh, and, and actually, uh, Dan Aykroyd met, uh, his wife, Donna Dixon on the set of that movie. Oh, wow. Uh, and, and they've been together ever since. Uh, since 1983, mm. and they also would go on to uh, to work together in a few other movies. Uh, but uh, uh, Fran Drescher uh, was also in Doctor Detroit, 
some of you may know, she went on to star in the TV series The Nanny uh, later <laughs> on. So they were all like really good friends. And uh, Fran Drescher kind of, uh, kind of was responsible for setting up, uh, you know, Dan and his wife Donna. And mm. so they, so the, so the three of them have been very good friends for, uh, for many. I, years. I can see, I can see them getting along. Uh, just, yeah. yeah, just their, they, just their personality types and and uh, everything, you know, because she's kind of, you know, out there too. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, uh, and also he managed to get uh, get a little a cameo appearance by James Brown uh, in the movie, which they had already worked together on the Blues Brothers. Yeah, because the Blues Brothers featured a lot of great uh, oh, man. It... singers and musicians from mm-hmm. you know from from the blues and and other uh, genres and. It sort of, for some of them, it sort of like reinvigorated their careers. As oh, I artists. say so, yeah. Uh, so he was actually pretty good friends with James Brown, and was able to get him in Doctor Detroit as well. And that sequence uh, where uh, <laughs> where James Brown performs one of his signature songs, uh, "Get Up Off of That Thing," uh, <laughs> is uh, is a is a great scene. It's one that should not be uh, missed. There's some choreography and, and everything in there. Um, and then also uh, that same year, uh, Trading Places, which is a which is a comedy classic with uh, Eddie Murphy and uh, Jamie Lee Curtis co-starring. Oh, yes, yes. Uh, um, the funniest thing is is that I actually never seen that movie until last night. Actually, really? Yeah, I, I watched it last night uh, for the very first time. I watched it. <laughs> And it's, it is uh, it, it's uh, it's great because you had you had uh, you had Dan Aykroyd who uh, you know had already been on SNL and then Eddie Murphy at that time was currently on SNL mm-hmm. and he was already you know rising to, to fame and popularity so yeah he was the he was the sought after the hot sought after uh, comedian at the time. Mm. Um. It was an interesting um, picture, I have to say. I'd not seen it, not having not seen it before. It is. Um, it's an interesting. It's very interesting that it's actually pretty relevant even today. You know, just the um, what, what it's actually saying. Mm-hmm. You know, um, I mean, there are some jokes in there that might be a little bit dated now, but. Yeah. Um, yeah, some some of the humor maybe would not probably would wouldn't not fly, fly anymore. But, uh, audiences, but but what it's trying to say is still relative. Mm-hmm. Uh, but it's still it's still pretty funny too. Um, I mean, of course, you got Dan Aykroyd in his hilarity. It, it's really because of him and Eddie Murphy because of how funny and kind of uh, you know out there they they both. Are um, honestly Eddie Murphy's kind of scaled back his yeah. in recent years, but he's pretty much been the straight man now. But uh, but back then it was booming. And um, but yeah, I, I I I'm I enjoyed it. It was it was fun. Yeah, <laughs> so. it, it was definitely. Uh, you know, it, it definitely belongs up there with some of his, uh, you know, some of his best movies. I think. Mm-hmm. Um, 
and then you had uh, Twilight Zone, uh, the mm-hmm. movie, also that same year. Uh, now, um, yeah, I remember. I remember actually seeing that movie when I was. I was probably seven years old. Oh wow. Yeah, and that first opening that there. probably freaked you out a little bit. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. It did. It did. I was like, oh, my goodness, no. Change the channel, change the channel. Change it back. I change it back. I mean, the Twilight Zone yeah. series was freaky. I mean, yeah. It, it was scary. Black and white. You wouldn't, uh, I don't think anyone, to d- like modern day kids probably wouldn't think a black and white show would be scary. That show is no. scary. I mean, black and white or not, it's... Yeah, there's something about that that kind of adds to the um, adds to the suspense. Mm-hmm. You you want to see something really scary? Yeah. Want to see something really scary? Yeah, <laughs> that's a great moment. He uh, uh, Dan Aykroyd only appears in at the beginning and the end of the movie because the movie is set up in kind of this uh, vignette style where there's like all these like little stories within the mm-hmm. movie. Um, and so they, they don't, it's not really clear whether the hitchhiker at the beginning of the movie plays a hitchhiker and the ambulance driver at the end, it's not really clear if it's supposed to be the same character or if it's the, the guy that the guy, I won't spoil, spoil that for you, but the, but the guy that he scares, like at the end, we're not sure if maybe that is, if he's just hallucinating or something and he's. Mm. He thinks the ambulance driver is Dan Aykroyd's yeah. character. That that part of it is not really uh, clear. Though. Yeah, it's kind of vague. But, but maybe that's for the best. Leave it to the audience's interpretation, you know? Yeah. It makes it a little bit creepy. Creepier. And, uh, and this was, I believe, uh, The Twilight Zone was actually the second time that Dan Aykroyd had worked with John Landis. Uh, oh, really? No. I'm wrong. Uh, third time. Third Cause, time. Because... Uh, John Lance directed Trading Places as well. Mm. Uh, mm-hmm. So, so that you know, the, starting with the Blues Brothers, uh, that began a long time collaboration with uh, director uh, John Landis, uh, and uh, a couple little pieces of trivia. Uh, actually, he I think before I guess, well, yeah, that was before it was before uh, everything happened with John Belushi. Originally, uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi were considered for the lead roles in An American Werewolf in London. Oh, really? And uh, they really wanted them, but but at that time, John Landis had decided that he wanted to work with new actors. He wanted to mm. work with new faces because he had already worked with Dan and John before. Yeah, uh, so that role went to yeah. end up going to... Um, um, to... I, uh, I, want, I want to get the... Da- uh, it was David uh, David Naughton. Okay, was okay. The, was the lead? Yeah, uh, yeah, and uh, which is another you know, it's unrelated, but you know, that's a you know really good movie as well. Uh, and then <laughs> and then something I forgot about actually, going back to uh, Dan's time on SNL, uh, he he was originally considered, uh, or actually he he was the front runner. Uh, for the role of D-Day in the movie Animal House, uh, which mm. was released in 1978. Interesting. Uh, and because of because of his you know his 
a penchant for you know creating these like really crazy characters and and also because if you remember if you've seen Animal House, uh, D Day is like is like a biker, mm. and Dan Aykroyd uh, has a love of motorcycles. He actually yeah. for a while was actually part of a motorcycle club I called the Black Diamond Riders. I could have actually seen him play that role honestly. Yeah, I yeah. could have too. Uh, and the only reason he didn't was because uh, Saturday Night Live would not let him out. Uh, because the John Belushi was already yeah. starring in it, yeah, and so Lorne Michaels actually threatened to fire Dan Aykroyd if he had done the movie, because mm. he felt like he was too valuable uh, to SNL, like they couldn't afford to to have two of their uh, star cast members uh, gone, you know, to film a movie. So, but yeah. that's just a little little uh, you know interesting tidbit there. Uh, so, moving on up to uh, the next year, 1984, would probably, aside from the Blues Brothers, this would probably turn out to be, um, in terms of, you know, lifelong success and everything, mm-hmm. this was probably the, the biggest, maybe the biggest, uh, for Dan Aykroyd, because that was the year that Ghostbusters was, re- was released, which is... Uh, which is arguably my favorite mm. movie of all time. Yes, um, that is his magnum opus right there. Yeah, um, I'd say that he would be forever and ever associated with Ghostbusters far more than Blues Brothers. Yeah. I mean, I know I know Blues Brothers is probably close to his heart. They're just both as well, they're both but, iconic. Yeah. But, but yeah, yeah, I mean, it, Ghostbusters is everywhere. Still and, everywhere today. I mean, Ghostbusters. I mean, they it, the two animated series, two, uh, several movies now, like four movies now. Yeah. I mean, if three, 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 three in the main that line are canon, and yeah. one that was a reboot, which is not a part of the same universe. Right. And then you had the uh, yeah the animated two animated uh, series. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, of course, the the one animated series I grew up on, while the other one you grew up on. Yeah, um, which is which is funny because honestly, you got the better one. I got the the hand me down. <laughs> yeah, what what is this? Like, right. honestly, they were probably piggybacking off of the Men in, Bl- Men in Black because yeah. Men in Black having a uh, uh, a similar uh, animation to that that one. They were piggybacking off of the success of that. I'd say. Um, but yeah, Ghostbusters is is another one that is means a lot to me as well. Um, I mean, I even got a little bit of an autograph here. Yeah, he's, um, he's actually, yeah, that's that's more than I've got. I have and, uh, unfortunately uh, never been able to, uh, well, neither of us have met him, you know, no, but, but no. you know, at least you got the, you know, the autograph, which is cool. Yeah, and, and a funny story about that is uh, I was, I was uh, as I was telling you before we started uh, filming here, that um, it was a funny story because uh, this was before even the reboot came out. And it was a little bit after the video game came out. Which the video game, uh, I, I'd say that w- before the third one came out, we kind of considered it uh, non-canical, sort of canical, right. because cause Harold Ramis and um, Dan Aykroyd both wrote the script. Yeah. Um, yeah, I, definitely. I, I think I think the 2009 video game is definitely is definitely canon i mean mm-hmm. for a while we thought that that was going to sort of serve as a third movie mm-hmm. 
because oh, yeah. they had been talking about doing a third uh, movie for so long, uh, even as far back as like 1999, and we just got to the point where we were like, is this ever going to happen? The video game came out. It's like it wasn't a movie, but it was almost uh, just as good because all the original cast was back. Yeah. I mean, and, and the funny thing is, is like after I played that video game, um, hearing the rumbles of the third one coming out and everything, I ended up uh, trying to find out, um, you know, looking it up and, you know, just writing a letter to him saying, hey, I hear this third one's happening. It may not happen. I know it's been decades. Uh, but if you do, could I be in it somehow or whatever? <laughs> uh, kids dream. Kids dream. Oh, sure. Um, and if not, then an autograph will do fine. I got an autograph. <laughs> so. There you go. I, it's, it's better than nothing. And that's something that you can yeah. you know, keep forever and frame it, hang it up on your wall. And, mm-hmm. um, funny story about that, too, is, is I actually, this was back in uh, like the late 90s, um, I contacted them in a different way. This was, this was back in the days of dial-up internet uh, most of you out there won't have any clue what what that is, but this is when it used to you used to have to run the internet through a phone line, and mm. it was so slow it was ridiculous just trying to load pages and everything. But anyway, uh, I was on uh, AOL America on, uh, America Online. That was yeah. the big uh, that was the big like um, you know email provider and and everything back then, and you had. Um, AOL Instant Messenger, which was like a which was like a chat, you know, instant. Like today, it would be like Facebook Messenger and things like that. It was it was that sort of thing. Yeah. But anyway, I I found him. I found uh, Dan Aykroyd on uh, on AOL. Oh really? And you know, and I and I looked at the, uh, the you know the stats. The you know like I looked at uh, you know his birth date and you know little pieces of it, like where you fill out your profile yeah and i was like you know i was like this this has to be him because i mean obviously it would be easy you could you could fake you know something like that yeah but based on his details i'm like it has to be him because there was there were things in there that nobody else would have like known about at the time you know unless you were unless you were a fan and so i just i sent him a quick message uh, and uh, because he was starring in a TV series at the time, and I told him that I, you know, had been watching it, uh, and and we'll get into that uh, in a little bit here. But it was a TV show called uh, Soul Man, uh, which was on in uh, 97, 1997. It was actually a spinoff of Home Improvement. Uh, but anyway, uh, told him how much I enjoyed the show and and uh, how much I was a fan. And, uh, and I'm sure uh, he will not remember that <laughs> at all. <laughs> but uh, but he actually wrote back. He actually oh, messaged he really? me back. And just you know, just a few little things. You know, said said you know, thank you more or less. You know, thank you. Glad you're enjoying the show. And you know, and all that. And uh, and that was that was huge to me. I was like, yeah. I actually got you know, I got a few. I got to have a little exchange with you know, with uh, one of my favorite. Uh, actors so yeah so there you go so that's that's the closest i've ever come to talking to him or or uh, meeting mm. with him we, we both came close <laughs> yeah. close close but not but but, uh, but at least uh, at least in some way or another he knows that uh that we had admired him as well as uh, uh, countless other fans yeah yeah um 
some other uh, some other movies uh, worth mentioning, and we'll just we'll just kind of kind of roll through these. Uh, Spies Like Us, uh, 1985, uh, which he uh, co-starred with Chevy Chase mm-hmm. uh, on that. Uh, one of his fellow SNL uh, alums. Uh, very funny movie. Another one of my favorite uh, Dan Aykroyd movies. I, it's one that I could watch uh, over and over again. Uh, the jokes are, are so great in that. The little the little quips and the one-liners and the back and forth uh, is it, just great. You had two comedy powerhouses together uh, uh, in that movie. And, mm. uh, and Dan Aykroyd's... Uh, then wife uh, Donna Dixon also had a uh, had a starring role uh, in that, uh, and uh, oddly enough, oddly enough, she ends up becoming the girlfriend of Chevy Chase's character in the movie. <laughs> uh, but yeah, def- that's that's one uh, when you think about Dan Aykroyd's career, definitely have to throw that one uh, into the mix. Uh, uh, 1987, Dragnet. Dragnet. Oh it's, yeah. Based with, uh, on the TV series, uh, well, there were actually two different TV series. There hmm. was the the one from the 1950s, uh, and then they sort of rebooted. There was a revival series uh, in the 60s, uh, and they just retitled it Dragnet 1967 because it ran from 67 to 70. But the characters were the same. The actors were the same. Hmm. Uh, and so, so the movie was, was based on... Uh, that TV series because Dan Aykroyd was always a big fan of Jack Webb who yeah. played the original Sergeant Joe Friday. Uh, in the movie, he plays uh, the late Joe Friday's nephew mm. who is also named Joe, named after named after his uncle. Uh, and uh, Harry Morgan uh, plays the captain this time. Originally, Harry Morgan played uh, Bill Gannon who was... Uh, Joe Friday's partner in the ah. original series. So now he's a captain. And uh, Dan Aykroyd is partnered uh, with uh, Pep Strebeck, who is played by Tom Hanks. Uh, this was in the days when Tom Hanks was primarily doing comedy. Uh, he had been on a uh, sitcom uh, in the early 80s uh, called Bosom Buddies that really sort of uh, you know, elevated him to stardom. And had started, you know, doing a series of, of movies, and uh, but he's really great uh, in the movie too. There's a, you have, you have uh, Joe Friday who is very like, you know, that whole, you know, just facts, ma'am kind of thing. He's very stoic and yeah, uh, yeah, and 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 and, uh, and Pep is the complete opposite of that. You know, he's just like he's. He's giving Joe headaches because because he's uh, he has a very unorthodox style of police work, uh, but a very funny movie. That's another one that uh, you know is definitely worth checking out if you haven't seen it. Um, the Couch Trip, nineteen eighty-eight. Hmm. Uh, Not heard of that one. That one is another one that uh, it doesn't seem to get mentioned a lot. Uh, but but it's pretty good. Uh, he plays uh, John Burns, who is like a radio uh, psychotherapist. Mm. Uh, Charles Grodin uh, is in that uh, movie as well. Okay. Uh, and uh, but it, it's uh, it's but it's it's good. You know, it's it's pretty good. It's it's a little different. You know, I, I like you know I like seeing the things where. Uh, 
you know, certain actors, you're used to seeing them in certain types of roles and where they sort of veer off from that, just a little, they kind of veer away from the formula. Yeah. Uh, but, it, but it's not a bad movie. Uh, and this was, I mean, the late 80s, uh, especially, you know, that year, 1988, was another big year for Dan Aykroyd in terms of just, he had so many movies that came out uh, that year. Uh, the Great Outdoors. Yes. Uh, that is... <laughs> uh, I don't see too many... There's not very many family road trip... Or not road trip, but, you know, family vacation movies that are really, really good, you know? Yeah. But uh, I'd say that... Um, I guess the ones that are actually really good are the ones that actually feature some of the Saturday Night uh, Live alums, like uh, like Dan Aykroyd and Chevy Chase and... Um, and great, great outdoors is one of them. Yeah, uh, just putting him and John Candy uh, together was another uh, perfect uh, yeah. combination. And uh, it's so funny because because John Candy is playing a straight man on that one. He's playing the straight man on that one, where Dan Aykroyd is the one that's playing. He's the he's the comic foil. Yeah, you know, playing his uh, yuppie brother-in-law uh, who likes to show off and he wants everybody to think that he has all this money uh, but then it turns out that he's flat broke and, <laughs> and he, he, he and his family show up unexpectedly uh, during uh, during his brother-in-law Chet's uh, vacation basically ruins their vacation and is basically just showing up kind of for a handout you know he's, yeah. he's broke and he needs some money but uh, another really great movie um then that same year, uh, there was uh, Caddyshack 2. Mm-hmm. Now, Dan Aykroyd was not in the first Caddyshack. A missed opportunity, if you ask me, right. not being in the first one. <laughs> uh, because the first one is, is, uh, is great. The second one didn't live up to uh, that didn't live up to that standard. I can't say that I've seen the second one. Yeah, it's, it's, it's okay, uh, the, but it has a good cast. But it just wasn't, you know, it wasn't well received. Uh, it definitely was not at the same level as the original. Uh, the original had, you know, uh, some, you know, comedy comedy giants uh, like you know Bill Murray and Chevy Chase and Rodney Dangerfield and Ted Knight and mm-hmm. uh, you know the only one who came back from for the second one was Chevy Chase. Uh, Dan Aykroyd plays a character that is kind of similar to Bill Murray's character in the first one, uh, the groundskeeper. Uh, yeah. it, it was, it was a, he wasn't a groundskeeper, but you know, right. the, the characters were very like, you know, they were odd and, and mm-hmm. quirky. And, uh, I will say this for, that is probably, uh, sorry, Dan, but it is probably, this is probably Dan Aykroyd's mo- most annoying role. <laughs> you know, the only thing I can say is that the voice that he chose to use for that character is just really, really grating. I don't even know how to describe it. It's a little bit of, it's a little bit of like a, like going back to his parody of Julia Child, and okay. it's like a combination of that and something else. I can't really put my finger on it, but uh, it's like, you know, it's like. He kind of talks like this the whole time, and you know, it's like it's uh, it's very uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, I, but acting is all about choices, and and yeah. 
sometimes that's the you, you made for that character. Sometimes uh, you hit but, it, sometimes uh, you miss it. But you know, it, it's it's not one of those movies that check it out. I mean, you know, it's worth watching at least at least once, but maybe mm. not a repeat. <laughs> uh, and then uh, also that same year, uh, my stepmother is an alien, mm. uh, which is uh, I think is is a is a good good movie you know pretty funny movie because it's a little bit a little bit different again than, than you yeah. know what what he's used to he plays um he plays a scientist um in that and who ends up coming into contact with an extraterrestrial who is played by kim basinger uh in one of her earlier roles mm-hmm. uh, but they worked really well together and uh and and you know, I think that uh, you know the the comedy between those two actually worked, but it's not it's not a combination you would have necessarily yeah. thought of as as working really well, but it does. Yeah, um, yeah. And and there's a little bit, you know, it's kind of gave him a chance to because he hadn't really had too many opportunities in his career where he sort of got to play the romance angle, uh, right? And so it sort of put him in this uh, romantic lead. Uh, situation and but I think it worked uh, you know really well uh, and then you had uh, 1989 uh, you had of course Ghostbusters 2 um, you know and and we are definitely going to uh, devote uh, an episode to each of the films in the Ghostbusters franchise they, they both deserve it so yeah uh, and, and they uh, both deserve one for each other I'd yeah. say and um, uh and and that and you know, the, the first Ghostbusters, you know, hard to hard to top. Yeah. Uh, but but there are believe it or not there there are parts of aspects of Ghostbusters two that I think I actually enjoyed mm-hmm. even more than the the first yeah. film. Yeah, I'd say so. I'd say there is a few elements in there. Um, maybe maybe the cartoon might have hindered it a little bit. Yeah. Because yeah, the the uh, the first animated series the real ghostbusters was still uh was still going on at that time and was extremely popular and mm-hmm. i do i think the second movie was maybe marketed a little bit more towards kids for mm-hmm. that reason yeah uh but in some ways i think the story you know might have even been just a little bit better yeah. uh, and the advantage in a sequel is that usually the first movie in a franchise has a tendency to be a little slower paced yeah, and sort of drags on a little bit because you have to establish the characters, you have to uh, establish their backgrounds and everything. With a sequel, you can just start right in out of the gate with 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 the action, and everybody already knows who the characters are, so you don't have to waste any time with all that exposition and stuff. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It it's um it was much faster paced that for, that second one was, uh, and I'd say. I mean, it's still pretty fun to watch. Oh yeah, absolutely. It, you know, it, it's a it's a you know a great movie, and uh, and I think it gets far less credit among Ghostbusters fans uh, than it really deserves. Uh, uh, another big uh, uh, feather in uh, Dan Aykroyd's cap that year uh, was his role in Driving Miss Daisy. Oh, okay. Uh, playing. Yeah. Uh, Bully Worthen, who is the son of uh, uh, Jessica Lange's character uh, in that movie, Daisy. Um, it, it's a period period movie, uh, yeah. but uh, he actually uh, was nominated 
uh, for an Academy Award for Best Supporting Actor uh, in that movie. Oh, yeah. uh, and uh, so that was uh, certainly, you know, uh, certainly a, a, a great uh, honor to, you know, just to even be considered uh, right. for that. Because, again, it was a departure from what, from the types of roles that he was used to playing. So it was certainly a big moment for him right there, just being recognized for something that's different than what you're usually doing. Yeah. Uh, kind of saying uh, that, hey, you, you've got talent, you know? And it, and it wasn't the first time either that he'd either been nominated or won an award because actually mm-hmm. uh, he won an Emmy uh, in 1977 oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, for Outstanding Writing on SNL. Ah. And he was nominated several other times uh, mm-hmm. during his work on that show. So, <laughs> yeah. I, I can see that, so yeah. He is, so he is also an award-winning actor, uh, which is something that I think you know, most uh, actors or, you know, filmmakers or anybody within the entertainment industry aspires for, mm-hmm. even though the awards really don't, I mean, it, it doesn't matter. It doesn't really matter. It's not, you know, it's, it's nice it's just, to be considered or to, yeah. you know, ha- to, to Just to be that, you know. recognized that, hey, you've got, uh, you've got talent. Don't, you know, don't stress. Uh, things kind of, things kind of slowed down a little bit, I feel like, uh, for Dan after that it's in the 90s in particular um he he kicked off the 90s with a pretty decent movie 1990 uh loose cannons which he co-starred with uh, gene uh, hackman yeah and that where uh, dan Aykroyd actually plays a um uh, uh, an escape uh, escapee from a um mental hospital <laughs> uh, it, it, but Again, it's it's an interesting pairing, you know, putting him with Gene Hackman, and it works pretty pretty well. Uh, and you know, Dan Aykroyd gets to sort of showcase his ability for uh, impressions and you know, and funny voices and, and yeah. things like that, which he you know did a lot of that on SNL too by uh, you know doing parodies of of presidents like Jimmy Carter and Richard Nixon. And, you know, he, he, he's always had that, you know, gift as well. Uh, but pretty decent movie. Uh, there's not really, I feel like there's not a, a ton of stuff in the nineties that, that I would say, you know, as, as far as his career is like really probably stand out. I mean, uh, aside from a little cameo in Casper. Yeah. I can't. Right. Yeah. Uh, and there, well, no, there was uh, nothing but trouble, which I think you and I have talked about that movie before, yes. 1991, yeah. where mm-hmm. he reunited with uh, Chevy Chase, Chevy Chase. Uh, for mm-hmm. that. Uh, that was the only movie that he ever directed in his entire <laughs> yeah. career. Yeah, and I think the reason for that was because the movie just didn't do well at all. I think it actually lost money at the box mm-hmm. office. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't think it's a terrible movie. Like, so many people have put it down over the years and said this is, like, one of the worst movies they've ever seen in their life. Yeah. I've seen much worse movies. (laughs) I can promise you. I've seen much worse movies. I have too, yeah. 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 It's not his his best. Uh, It does showcase his writing ability again because I think a lot of the movies, usually the movies where he is involved as a writer and an actor, tend to be really, really good. This is one of those that breaks away from that. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
you know, he, he had a lot of good people around him. Yeah. Uh, as far as his crew, people that had worked on award-winning movies and things. So visually, it was a pretty cool-looking uh, film. But it just, you know, the as they continued filming, the budget just kept, you know, getting bigger and bigger and bigger because he wanted... He wanted to keep adding yeah. things to it, and they were having to build these elaborate sets and wanted more effects and things like that. But uh, critics panned the movie; uh, they they just they didn't get it. Uh, they didn't, I guess, get his sense of humor and where he was going with it. They thought it was just uh, it was just full of a lot of like gross out uh, visual gags, and, and they just they didn't think that it was it was really uh it was really worth watching and um and thankfully you know thankfully it didn't because you know he he already had such a huge career anyway it's it's yeah. it's, it's a good thing that it didn't hurt him you know because sometimes something like that can cause so, someone's so, career yeah. to tank yeah uh, but he still had success even after that um you know he he gradually his his role in movies gradually started to decrease. They they did they yeah. did decrease quite a bit. Um, uh, it was one of the there's a few more, but it was one of the last I think where he really had like a starring role, like where he mm-hmm. was you know in top billing. Um, yeah, most recent years he's been just doing uh, cameo roles for right. Adam Sandler. Uh, some other movies uh, worth mentioning uh, during that decade of the 90s uh, would be uh, uh, My Girl, uh, mm. you know, uh, which, which was a good, good movie. Uh, yeah. You know, he's playing a, you know, playing a, a family man, a dad, uh, and, uh, you know, thought he did, you know, a really wonderful job uh, with both of those movies because there were two of them. Uh, sneakers. Sneakers was pretty good. I've not seen that one. Um, 93, you had uh, Coneheads, mm. which, of course, was based on... <laughs> based on the SNL skit. SNL yeah. sketches. Uh, and uh, pretty, you know, it was pretty decent. I mean, um, usually the movies that are based on SNL sketches or characters yeah. either go one of two ways. Either they do really, really well, or, or they, they bomb completely. Yeah, the 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 standpoints from that I'd say that were the ones that were really good SNL skits turned into movies. Uh, Blues Brothers, um, and, and Wayne's World. Wayne's World, yeah, it's another big one. Um, all the others, I can't. I mean, Mac, yeah. what's there was MacGruber. Yeah, was one. Was, uh, a night at a night at the Roxbury. Uh, was I thought was funny. That Some one actually like was like it didn't do too well, but uh, yeah, I agree. It was actually it was actually pretty funny. It yeah. was yeah. But so. uh, but I think this was you know Coneheads was uh, another attempt mm-hmm. to maybe try to bank you on the success of you think that one like brothers and you think that one might have been a little too late. I, yeah, I think it was a, yeah a little bit too far removed. From yeah. SNL, where the Blues Brothers was right there in that sweet spot. It was mm-hmm. it was just after uh, Dan Aykroyd and John Belushi had left because uh, they left Saturday Night Live in '79, and uh-huh. uh, and Blues Brothers came out in '80. 
so yeah, I think there was maybe a little bit too much distance there, and that could have could have it was like yeah. you have to you have to keep the characters in the public eye. You have to keep them relevant in everybody's mind in order for them to want to see a movie about those characters. Yeah, I'd say that you're doing, you just made a movie for an entirely different generation that did not grow up on that now. Because that's like, what, two decades removed? Yeah, yeah. So yeah, that certainly played a part in it, I think. Um, We mentioned, we mentioned uh, the My Girl movies. The second movie came out in 94. Um, You had... From there on, it was it was mostly like we said a lot of um, either cameos or um, you know significant but smaller yeah. roles, memorable roles in films. Yeah. Uh, Tommy Boy mm-hmm. uh, as uh, as uh, the uh, as the uh, he was the the auto parts guy that was like in competition with yeah. uh, Chris Farley's. Uh, dad's character in that movie uh casper now the only reason we mentioned casper is because of probably one of the best dan Aykroyd cameos ever in a movie where I he actually so, yeah he actually appears as dr raymond stance from ghostbusters uh, casper's canon yeah it is this <laughs> um that's the funny thing it, 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 ivan reitman who directed uh Ghostbusters and Ghostbusters 2 actually admitted in an interview that Casper is considered part of Ghostbusters canon. Uh, <laughs> not only because it was released by Columbia Pictures, which produced the Ghostbusters movies, uh, but it, it it fits in somehow. It, it fits in with the Ghostbusters universe, and uh, so. And if you later on, if you watch the the most recent uh, Ghostbusters movie. It kind of fits the, with mm-hmm. the timeline uh, yeah. because basically by by explains, that point explains why he's all by himself. Is, yeah, he's is, Ray is by himself. The rest of the team is is not with him. So, um, anyway, so yeah, story. just go ahead and put that into your Ghostbusters watchathon. Yes. <laughs> yeah, you can certainly add that uh, to the Ghostbusters movie, even though it's a very quick uh, appearance. Uh, but yeah. but it's great and worth watching just for that reason. <laughs> uh, he did uh, Sergeant Bilko. Yeah, Sergeant Bilko. Uh, mm-hmm. In 96 uh, uh, with Steve Martin. The same year, uh, he did uh, Celtic Pride, which ah. is actually a really funny movie. Uh, he co-starred with uh, Daniel Stern and Damon Wayans in that movie. Uh, That's the one I'm thinking of. Yeah. Uh, Dan Aykroyd's character, Jimmy, uh, is uh, he and, and Daniel Stern's uh, character, they're like... Uh, they're like Boston Celtics super fans. And uh, at that time, you know, the Utah Jazz is like really, uh, is really just wreaking havoc uh, on the Celtics. And so they get this brilliant idea that they're going to kidnap the star player of, of the Jazz, which is played by Damon Wayans. And a lot of uh, really great jokes and, uh, and, you know, great, you know, I, th- I think that's probably of, of his, Slightly yeah. later career, I think that's one of the better. But uh, there's some other, you know, pretty good, uh, pretty good movies there towards the end of the '90s. Uh, My fellow Americans, uh, where he plays a former uh, president. Mm-hmm. Um, 
I, I, you know what? I couldn't get into that one, but that's probably because I'm not all that into the politics. Yeah, and I'm usually not either. I'm not a very, a very political person, but, uh, but it had you know a great cast too. Oh yeah, him, yeah. I will say Jack there was and, mm-hmm. uh, and James Garner. Um, of course, uh, the sequel to the Blues Brothers, Blues Brothers 2000. Oh uh, yes, with the John Goodman. John Goodman and. Uh, uh, who played the kid? I'm totally, uh, <laughs> totally blanking out now. Uh, oh, what is his name? Joe Morton. Joe oh. Morton. I can't believe I couldn't remember his name. Uh, but he, uh, the, this was the weird thing is that they, the title was Blues Brothers 2000. It didn't but come it came out, out in the 2000s. Yeah. You know, I'm not sure if it was intended to be released in 2000 as like a millennium kind of, you know, this is the Blues Brothers for the millennium. I don't know. Who, who knows why these decisions get made in Hollywood. But, uh, but from then on, you know, John Goodman, uh, you know, it, it was hard to come up with somebody to replace, you know, John Belushi. But uh, John Goodman, I think, did a he really did good, a pretty job. good job. You know, he's yeah. playing a completely different character, obviously. Yeah. But he brought his own, uh, his own, you know, blend of comedy to it, and uh, and you know from then on he was you know accepted into uh, the Blues Brothers family. Uh, it should also be noted that during the nineties, uh, nineteen ninety two actually, uh, Dan Aykroyd founded the House of Blues. Oh so, yes. For those who didn't know, uh, the House of Blues is owned by. Dan Aykroyd, uh, because his his love of of that music and uh, and there are uh, House of Blues locations all over the country, all over the world, really. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, so you know, and, and they're and they're still performing today. He actually, um, along with uh, James Belushi, and sometimes a special guest, you know, John Goodman, they they still tour. Uh, yeah. They have uh, special concerts. Uh, usually, usually it's for like the opening of a new House of Blues mm-hmm. location. Uh, but they're, I, I, they're still, you know, Dan Aykroyd yeah. is still performing today as Elwood Blues. Yeah, I mean, they. Uh, I believe Dan Aykroyd did a little bit of a, a cameo appearance on one episode of According to Jim. Yeah, for Jim did. Belushi, he did make an appearance on that show as well. I think maybe yeah. maybe a couple of times. Yeah, um, and and they're still. You know, great friends uh, today because, uh, uh, oddly enough, James Belushi actually uh, has has gotten into the uh, cannabis uh, business now, and he has mm. a, he has a <laughs> cannabis farm out in Oregon. Oh, really? And huh. Uh, huh. he has worked with Dan Aykroyd to uh, put out uh, one of their products is called uh, the uh, the Working Man's brand. And it's like they're they're pre-rolled marijuana joints that come in like almost like a kind of looks like a pack of cigarettes. But uh, he went to Dan and basically asked for his permission to use the Blues Brothers brand uh, mm. to to sell that particular strain or whatever of that his product. And of course, you know, Dan wasn't going to say no. You know, he had he had some. Stipulations, certain things that that he wanted, you know, in in the product. 
Yeah. But other than that, you know, he gave his seal of approval and, and you know, put his stamp on that. So, so that's out there now for those who, you know, like to partake, uh, you know, you can, uh, you know, you can, uh, you can obviously, you can't, you can't have it shipped, you know, to states where it's not legal. Right. Uh, but, yeah. but they are branching out. There's more and more uh, states that are starting to offer that, uh, you know, where it's legal. Uh, but anyway, uh, and I think uh, we're kind of we're kind of uh, kind of running low on time here. So it's it's there's so many things, uh, so many more things that that we could talk about. Uh, I guess some some other things worth mentioning. Uh, again, you know, the the rest of Dan's career is mostly made up of. Um, you know, smaller roles and cameos. Yeah. Uh, some that are definitely worth uh, watching. Um, I was thinking in particular about uh, his roles in Fifty First Dates. Yes. Uh, with mm-hmm. Adam Sandler, where he plays a doctor. Yeah. Uh, it's a very funny role. That that one's pretty good. Uh, and uh, I now pronounce you Chuck and Larry. Uh, the, also that one. With Adam Sandler, but with uh, Kevin James as well, where he plays a uh, fire department captain. Some some of the most hilarious moments in that movie came from that one's pretty from, funny from as Dan well. Um, um, yeah, the funniest thing is that um, I'm I'm even thinking of it's not it's not really all that good. Uh, at least I don't think so. Uh, Christmas with the Cranks. Oh yeah, that's a good one. And you did like that? It does have its moments. Yeah. It probably would. There's so many more uh, things that we could cover. Uh, we could really go on and on about uh, about you know Dan and his career, uh, but uh, but we have to wrap it up at some point. So uh, you know I, I would encourage all of you uh, definitely uh, go on IMDb, take a look at just his massive list of credits, and uh, and and start watching his movies. They um, are some. There's a great catalog of movies there. Yes. You're, you're gonna laugh your head off. I, you know, I assure even, you. Even the ones that are not, you know, uh, that are not outstanding or, you know, amazing. For a lot of them, just his presence in the movie, I think, you know, really elevates it, makes them better. It elevates them. I don't know if if uh, Dan Aykroyd will ever see this episode or not, (laughs) Uh, but uh, but if you do. Uh, Dan, uh, we just like to say uh, we hope we have the opportunity to meet you someday, uh, just to uh, to shake your hand and say thank you. Uh, thank you for uh, infecting us with your unique sense of humor. Uh, thank you for showing us what good writing looks like uh, when it's brought to life on the screen. Um, thank you for inspiring a collaborative spirit in us. Uh, thank you uh, for showing us what it takes to create iconic characters that we will never forget. Uh, thank you for shaping the way uh, we look at movies. And uh, just thank you for the monumental influence you've had on both of our careers. Thank you, sir. You are the best. Okay. Well, that's uh, just going to about wrap it up uh, for today. But before we go... Uh, just want to remind all of you, uh, be sure to follow us on all of our socials. 
Uh, you'll find those links on the bottom of your screen uh, as well as down below in the video's description. Uh, you can also catch our podcast in a variety of, of other places uh, besides right here on YouTube, uh, and uh, those links will be available uh, in the video's description as well. And, uh, and leave your likes and comments for us. Uh, we would love to hear from you. Uh, you can uh, send us a comment uh, you know, on our YouTube channel uh, or on our socials. Uh, you can also email us. You can email us uh, on our official podcast email, uh, kimmelandcox at gmail.com. Uh, talk to us. We'd love to talk to you. Uh, we just want you to join in on the conversation with us, and that just makes it more fun for us. And, uh, you know, we don't have to just always sit here and listen to each other talk. You know, we can, we can bring you guys in uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, on the fun. Um, and be sure to check out our Patreon page as well. Uh, we, we need your support. We, we can't do this without you. We can, but it's certainly a lot easier uh, if, we, if we had the support of people like you, our viewers and listeners. So definitely go on there and uh, check out some of the benefits uh, that we're uh, offering there. Uh, most importantly... Uh, be sure to subscribe, like, and share uh, here on our YouTube channel. Uh, and when you subscribe, uh, make sure that you remember to tap that bell icon so that you're receiving all of the notifications whenever new content uh, is posted. Um, and uh, that's, that's all the time we've got uh, for you today. And uh, we hope you'll join us uh, next week. And in the meantime... Be good to yourselves, and we'll see you next time.